Hi, this is Steve Nellick, and this is Steve's PhD, Episode 2, The Process. So, it's 2012, and the whole PhD thing is kind of underway. It's still early days, of course, but I am beginning to get an idea of how you get a project like this underway. PhDs generally run off your supervisor since that person is working in a specialist area and with only so many hours in the day, that person generally has a wish list of stuff that would be nice to do if they only had time. So when a PhD student comes along, a supervisor will pitch the student an idea and students then earn their wings by working such an idea up into a robust project. It's probably more luck than technique if anyone manages to pull off a finding of major significance under these circumstances. For a PhD, you need to run a project from scratch to completion in three to four years with virtually no resources to speak of other than yourself. Maybe if you were Einstein, You could pull off something brilliant here, but it is usually best to start a PhD with an understanding that you are probably not Einstein. What's good to know is that what you are assessed on is more about process than outcome. If it all goes pear-shaped, people will rush to reassure you that it's all fine. After all, in science, failing to demonstrate something is just as important as demonstrating something. Of course, they are just being nice, and the reality is that you failed to demonstrate something. But you will still pass your PhD, and you will almost certainly manage to publish something from the wreckage. Anyone who makes a genuine go of it, over three to four years of hard slog, is bound to come up with something publishable. Seriously, postgrad students do it all the time. The peer-reviewed publication system is, if not flexible, at least forgiving, and if you can show that you followed a robust process, rather than just making stuff up, they'll generally publish something you write, as long as it only looks a bit half-assed. But, all that said, this is my PhD, and it is kind of a funny one, although I suppose a lot of them are. To start with, my PhD isn't really science, it's about science. And as for me, I'm one of those crusty old mature age students who no one can tell what to do. My supervisor just casually suggested one day that maybe I consider doing a PhD and then made encouraging noises as I started to articulate some half-baked idea that, through discussion, slowly evolved into the somewhat more credible plan that I'm running with now. She also did the sensible thing of bringing in a co-supervisor who is a genuine card-carrying scientist and has a passion for education, and this is perhaps the best part of the whole experience. When you are a PhD student, you get to mix with some seriously kick-ass people even if you don't earn any money, or not much, 
and you spend most of your wildly exciting research life in front of a photocopier or equivalent multi-purpose device. And you do this day after day, already knowing that 90% of the reading material you are gathering together will be virtually useless, but you've got to wade through it all to find the 10% of useful stuff that lies within. Anyhow, the project. It is sort of coming together. I was telling you last episode that the latest statistics available suggest that Australian science undergraduate numbers are actually holding up, despite all the concerns being raised in the media at the moment. While that is true if you combine all areas of science together, it's certainly not true for mathematics, where student numbers really are dropping substantially, and also if you follow the statistics right back across different data collections to the 1990s, then you do start seeing significant falls in numbers pretty much across the board since then. About the only area of general science where there has been genuine growth is in the bioscience and health-related fields. Big drops are seen in what are sometimes called the enabling sciences, essentially mathematics, physics and chemistry. Engineering, IT and geology also have their own story, but we'll look at that in another episode. Anyhow, I am starting to feel that this is what a PhD should be all about. You do more research, and the story gains more depth. And I keep mentioning that word story. I've now read most of the university's postgraduate research guide material, 90% of which was largely useless, but the 10% of useful content really boiled down to write. Just write and write, and then write some more. While it's time-consuming and necessary to collect lots of reading material, and then read it, there's a danger in thinking that this represents something useful in itself you have to write down the story that is developing in your head as you read and since you are not Einstein it will probably be the wrong story to start with and when you go back and read your notes you will probably have to draw big red crosses through whole paragraphs that you had agonised over because they just don't fit the direction that you have since realised the project has to go in. But, if you'd never started by writing down all those draft paragraphs, perhaps you wouldn't now be realising that there is a new direction that the project has to go in. The whole thing is a process, and frankly it's an often tedious process that is not so much measured in the years of a PhD, but in the days, hours and ponderous minutes that make up those years. But. If you get the right story, or at least a credible story, you can at least feel it is your story. You're the one who wrote it down, after all. As long as the story is defensible, meaning you have references and evidence that back up the key points you are making, and your supervisors agree that the whole project has got legs, you are on your way. 
Steve Nerlich, PhD candidate.